This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man. How the heck are you? It is the Monty Show. Tuesday, July the 12th, 2022. It is Amazon Prime Day. If you're just getting into the show, make sure you go down, check it out. We have all the best deals right in our description, right in the middle of the description on this podcast or YouTube video. A bunch of affiliate links there for you. Go shop them. Go get them. Amazon Prime Day, day one. Let's go. Let's go. The deal on the Apple AirPod Pros and the uh, Series 7 Apple Watch, incredible. Um, If you have kids and you want them to read, the Kindle is a great deal. They have a kid's Kindle. It's awesome. Check the affiliate links. Oh, by the way, we got to talk Utah Jazz basketball. Are the Utah Jazz truly the talk of the NBA? Does Danny Ainge hate Donovan Mitchell like I mean, vitriol. I hate you, sir. Um, That's probably over the top. But we'll talk a lot of Utah Jazz today. Got to talk about the Big 12 and the Pac-12. Here's a question for you to ponder. Should the Pac-12 try to survive? Should they even try without USC and UCLA? Is it even worth it? I think that is a significant question. Um, And I think it's one that, that... at some point, the Pac-12 is going to have to get is going to have to get honest. Is going to have to get really honest. Yes. So we'll talk about all that coming up. But without further ado, let's start talking Utah Jazz basketball because one of the things that I think is so interesting is the fact that the Utah Jazz are in fact the talk of NBA summer league. And usually, if you said, "Well, the Utah Jazz are leading the headlines," you'd be thrilled with that. But for some reason, for somehow, and for some way, and I really don't understand it, the Utah Jazz seem to be the talk of the NBA Summer League, but for all the wrong reasons. This Brian Windhorst story yesterday that lit the NBA world on fire, where he said that Danny Ainge no longer believes in Donovan Mitchell to be that foundational player. I can tell you unequivocally, I was told yesterday by a source at the Utah Jazz, that is simply a fabricated story, that that is not true in any way, shape, or form. And I think one of the things that validates that is the other day, Eric Walden, um, you know, during the media session that Danny and Justin Zanuck had, the general manager of the Utah Jazz, um, Eric Walden tweeted an answer about how the Jazz can see a future with Donovan Mitchell at point guard. So this is what is happening with the Jazz. And Jake, I don't know if it's a good thing or not, but it seems like One day the story is X and then the next day it's Y and it seems like everybody's flipping. Why do you think the Jazz are the talk of the the NBA Summer League? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's because of the situation that they're in as far as like whether it's a rebuild or a retool and you traded Rudy Gobert and a lot of people nationally think that Rudy Gobert was the best player on the Utah Jazz and that Donovan Mitchell is, is somehow a tradable commodity that the Utah Jazz don't want. And so I think it's really easy when you don't follow this team and you're looking at it from a thousand foot view to say, oh, well, you know, they traded Rudy, so they're probably going to trade Don and they're going to get involved in this Brooklyn situation. And, and that's just what, what, what happens nationally. And I think that it is frustrating. It is hard to listen to. I, I won't lie. Like last night, 
you know, watching the summer league and, and watching Jared Butler, you know, put up brick after brick last night, listening to this broadcast talk about, you know, just Mark Cuban and, and all the Donovan stuff. And it just, it's just like, it's old. And I'm just like, man, like Donovan hasn't asked for a trade. There's no proof or evidence that the Utah Jazz don't want to keep working with Donovan Mitchell. Yet all we hear about is Donovan Mitchell leaving for Miami or Brooklyn or New York or any of these other major cities. And and I think that if you're the Utah Jazz, I, like I know for a fact, based on what we're being told, that they are frustrated a bit with some of the reporting uh, this offseason and, and kind of how it's been handled and, and what's been said. And so... Yeah, I mean, why are they the talk of the NBA Summer League? Because I think everybody thinks that Donovan Mitchell is just this player that the Utah Jazz are are willing to trade and that the Utah Jazz are just some, like, you know, little kid on the block, essentially, when you compare them to other NBA teams. And that, to me, is what I think the core issue is for, for the Utah Jazz as far as the national media is concerned. Everyone looks at the Jazz and says, oh, well, you know, it's Utah. Like, they're, you know, they're they're going to rebuild. Well, that's not necessarily true. You know, in my opinion, it doesn't make sense to me that you would bring in Danny Ainge to rebuild, to tear it down, to be the number one overall draft pick style of team. What makes sense is retooling it and doing it in a way where you keep the best player on your team uh, and then put better talent around them. That's what makes sense. And I feel like that's what the Minnesota trade allowed them to do. So I just think that you know, when it, when there's quiet, when there's nothing happening, when we're all sitting here thirsting for another trade for the Utah Jazz to be involved in, this is what happens. People just say stuff and then we're left to speculate on it. And that's the trouble with it. Yeah. And I I think one of the things that is painfully obvious is that the Jazz don't have that built-in level of respect. And to your point last night, I'm sitting there watching the game and you're getting, oh, Mark Cuban's this and Mark Cuban's done a great job. and He's the best oh, ever. Look, there's Michael Finley. Oh, my gosh. And it, it's just this over-the-top, overwhelming love affair with Mark Cuban and the Dallas Mavericks. And yet, what are you talking about with the Utah Jazz? Oh, well... Donovan Mitchell, they don't believe in Donovan Mitchell and Brian Windhorst, our very own Brian Windhorst, had a story. And and it, I just don't understand it because there's been no indication, none whatsoever from the Jazz, that they no longer believe in Donovan Mitchell. We've told you for weeks and weeks and weeks now, the Jazz have no intention of trading Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. We've told you almost every team in the NBA has called you know, the Atlanta Hawks are the latest team that I've heard that have called repeatedly about Donovan Mitchell, um, the Miami Heat, the New York Knicks. I mean, all of these teams calling, exactly, calling repeatedly about the Jazz, about Donovan Mitchell. And they've said at every turn, we're not trading Donovan Mitchell. And whether that is right now, whether that is before the season, they're not trading Donovan Mitchell at this moment. Right. And you have Danny Ainge saying in a press conference the other day or Justin Zanuck saying in a press conference the other day that they're open to putting Donovan Mitchell at the point. But yet the national media continues to drive this point that the Jazz are trying to offload Donovan Mitchell, that you know they don't like Donovan Mitchell, that they don't believe he's a championship player. And I just don't understand. And is slander probably too strong of a word? It is. But that's what it feels like. And, you know, I, I don't think this is being a victim or playing the victim card. I think this is, you know, the absolute fact of the matter. That when you get people nationally talking about the Utah Jazz, it's almost always in a negative light. Yeah. And while I don't believe that nationally they're trying to get Donovan Mitchell out of Salt Lake City, 
I think that the the national narrative starts to wear you down a little bit. Right. And I think if you're I can't imagine Donovan Mitchell's happy to hear this. No, and I think what's really interesting is like when you contrast what's said about the Utah Jazz and what is said about let's just take the Lakers as an example. I mean, this is this applies to many teams, but just the Lakers as an example. Last season, Russell Westbrook was an absolute disaster. That's no secret. Everybody knows that. But when it came out that that they hired Darvin Ham and that Ham has a whole plan for Russell Westbrook and they're gonna they're gonna run it back with these three, what did we get? Oh, well, Anthony Davis is in the gym at 4.50 in the morning, and he's shooting free throws, and he's going to be everything that he's ever needed to be, and uh, ultra positive, this is great, everything's awesome. But then you look at the situation in the coverage with the Utah Jazz, and we get negativity, negativity, negativity. And this is kind of what, when I talk about on the show in the past, and for those of you who have listened for a long time, this will be familiar for you. But when I've mentioned like, hey, Donovan needs to step up. Donovan needs to become like this next level guy personality wise in the media. He needs to take control, you know, of the image of the team on the floor in a sense where it's like, when someone goes on ESPN or whatever and talks about the Utah Jazz, they think about, hey, Donovan Mitchell is the guy here. This is his team. Not, hey, Donovan Mitchell's looking to play for the Knicks or the Miami Heat or or you know, whoever, or the or the Brooklyn Nets in a trade. That's the thing that I think needs to happen this season. And and I know like for a long time we've been saying, like since last December, we've been saying for like eight months that they're gonna build around him. They're not trading Donovan. And I still believe that today. But I've also said, and I still believe that Donovan's got a lot of work to do this coming season to take control of the narrative of this team, to to start to inflict his will and in, in how he wants to do things here. And, and that, to me, may be the most important thing that Donovan Mitchell could do uh, this coming season. Yeah, I think this is the most important season to date for Donovan Mitchell. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, but I also don't think that Danny Ainge has wavered on Donovan Mitchell at all. And when we talk about whether or not Danny Ainge believes in Don, that's an incredibly important conversation. I mean, this year is really an important season for the the organization on the whole. If you think about, um, you know, the move that they made to trade Rudy Gobert, I mean, you're talking about a transformative move. You're talking about a moment in time for your fan base. Um, you add that to, you know, Ryan Smith, this uniform rebrand thing that they've done. Mm -hmm. um, you you look at what has not happened, the level of apathy from fans, the expectation that you won't win, the all-star game coming to Salt Lake City in February. Like, you have all of this stuff happening, and yet here we are in Summer League talking about the CEO of the Utah Jazz not believing in Danny Ainge. And I actually don't believe that story is true. I think that Danny does believe in Don. I think they may try him at point guard. And frankly, I think this is a valid conversation. I think there is a lot of of, of meaning behind should Donovan Mitchell be your full-time point guard? Mm -hmm. Is he a guy that can bring the ball up the floor every single trip? I think he is. Is that his highest, best use? I don't know. I guess we're going to find out. But more time for Donovan on the ball, I think, is actually a good thing. But... I actually disagree with what you said in the important pre-show meeting. pre-show meeting. About the Utah Jazz. And that is that you you said to me when I said, hey, well, can Donovan be a point guard? You said, well, look what happened to Book. 
Yeah. You think those two situations are comparable? Yeah, I think they are. I think that Devin Booker for a long time, or not a long time, but, you know, a season or two, was asked to bring the ball up and be a point guard. And that's just simply not his highest or best use. I think that it puts him in a position where he's constantly battling to get up the floor. He's run, He's he's getting the offense initiated. I would rather have Devin Booker being the guy that's waiting for the screen and coming off that pick in a position to shoot the basketball. That I mean, that's what... I want my scores doing. I don't need my scores running point. Now, that said, I think the big difference here, the obvious elephant in the room, is is style of play and build of player. Devin Booker is 6'6", I think he is, um, and Donovan Mitchell is a much shorter player. So I think that as far as using him and like how that all pans out, I think that Donovan is, size-wise, a prototypical point guard in the NBA. The problem is, is he's a lethal scoring threat, and that's why... I want him off the ball. I want him being put in positions and matchups where he can go and get his. I mean, that's that's what, to me, Donovan Mitchell is. And I just think that putting him on the ball, having him bring the ball up, while you can do it, and I'm sure he'd do a damn good job of it, uh, I just think it's a better way to use him, to have him coming off the ball, and to have whoever bring the ball up. I mean, you, you, again, obviously, whoever brings the ball up has to take care of the ball and get you into your offense, but that's really not asking that much, in my opinion. To bring the ball up and make one pass to Donovan, I don't think is asking that much. So I just think that, to me, it's not that he can't do it. It's not that it's a horrible thing to have him do it. I just think the best way to use him is to, is to put him in positions to score the basketball because that's what he does. That's what he's always done throughout his career. There's a Twitter video going around right now of Donovan Mitchell's summer league highlights of him just tearing people up when he was a, when he was a, a youngster in the league. Like that's the mentality he has. So I just think that's how I'd use him. Well, I think, I think Donovan's highest best use, I would agree is a two guard. Um, but whether it's one or two, I mean, the positions in this league right now are so hybrid that um, I don't necessarily believe that it's a bad thing to have Donovan as your point guard. Um, because the five guys that are going to start on the floor every night, I don't necessarily know that you number them anymore in this league. And my feeling is is that having Donovan on the ball more than not, I think is very good for the Jazz. Um, I think Donovan Mitchell obviously is a gifted scorer. Um, you're looking at him right now like he's on vacation in the islands working with his trainer. Um, which is this will be the second time he's done that. You know he spent a lot of time in New York. You know he spent a lot of time in the lab. Um, he's got two full months here in July and August to really get his body ready and get his game ready uh, for October. So for my money, yeah, I think Donovan is building himself in that light. And again, I think we've been told repeatedly on this show that Donovan and the Jazz are in constant communication. So he clearly knows what his role is going to be going forward. Um, and I think... By the way, a lot of this goes to bed when the trade cycle gets back and going. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that, that is happening to the Jazz is that the the Nets have an extremely high asking price for Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Because what that's doing is that is driving a a you know a wedge into the wheel that's not allowing the trades to happen right now because everybody wants Kevin Durant. And I think that once the trade wheel starts spinning again, all of this goes away because they're either going to keep Don or they're going to trade Don. And when one of those two things happen, if this Kevin Durant trade goes down without Donovan Mitchell involved in it, I just don't see a way that the Jazz trade him. I really don't. And as far as this idea, you know, there was this ridiculous trade rumor yesterday uh, that had the Utah Jazz trading Donovan Mitchell uh, in a 77-team trade. <laughs> 
It was like a four-team trade. Right. But essentially, the centerpiece of that deal is Kevin Durant to Phoenix. Uh, it would be Donovan Mitchell to Brooklyn and Ben Simmons to the Jazz. Right. And the thing that stands out to me and the thing that I said yesterday on Twitter is, and why this is so ridiculous, is because how are you as Danny Ainge, the CEO of the Utah Jazz, one of the guys that I consider to be the most savviest operator in front office circles in this league, how are you going to justify to your fan base? And I don't care if you get 20 draft picks. How are you going to justify to your fan base trading your best player, one of your most popular players, for Ben Simmons? And who is Ben Simmons? As a player, he's a guy who doesn't shoot. And notice I didn't say can't shoot. Ben Simmons is a guy who does not shoot. Mm -hmm. Ben Simmons is a guy coming off of major back surgery in April, or in May, excuse me. He's a guy battling mental health issues, and he hasn't played in over a calendar year. How are you going to justify that? How are you going to sell that to your fan base? I don't think that you can sell that to your fan base and reasonably expect them to embrace that. And frankly, I don't think that's a rebuild. I think that's a tank. And I just don't see Danny Ainge, frankly, and I don't see Ryan Smith tanking this team. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see him tanking the team either. I, but I, I agree. Like, I think, you know, that that particular trade scenario, you, you're just simply sending the message that, you know, whether you want to call it tanking or rebuilding, like, I, that that's what you're doing. And, and, and again, the other issue with the Ben Simmons situation is who the hell knows if Ben Simmons would even accept playing in Utah. I mean, I, again, that's not guaranteed. So I, I just think that that particular deal that we saw running around, you know, as far as draft picks and capital and being a rebuilding team, a team that's chasing the number one overall pick— yeah, I mean, it's a good deal from that standpoint, but I'm certainly not making that deal. No, it's not. Well, you no, disagree. I think it is. I think it is. I think it's a perfectly fine deal if you're looking to be the worst team in the league and, and rebuild. So this is from the New York Daily News, and I tweeted this. It's on my Twitter. Uh, you can find my Twitter, The Monty Show, M-O-N-T-Y, The Monty Show is where you find me on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And I tweeted this, and I think this is an absolute disaster, worst-case scenario for the Jazz. And again, you totally disagree with yeah, me on that. Completely. Completely disagree. Totally disagree with me on that. Yeah. And okay, let's here's the trade that the New York Daily News is is proposing. Right. They're proposing the Nets receive Donovan Mitchell, Boyan Bogdanovich, Mikhail Bridges, um, Cam Johnson, and a 2023 first round pick. Mm. Um, the Jazz would receive Joe Harris, injured and an inconsistent just read, performer. Just read the trade. Read the, the trade. The last two years. Read the trade. Ben Simmons. Right. Um, Cam Thomas, mm -hmm. unproven rookie, Buddy Heald at this point a journeyman, three draft picks unprotected, a top five protected pick in 2029, mm -hmm. and, and note I said top five protected in 2029, that's six years down the road, seven years, excuse me, and 2026 and 2028 first round pick swaps. Mm -hmm. That's the deal for the Jazz. That's a freaking disaster. Because think about what is Buddy Heald? Buddy Heald is a shooter who is wildly hot and cold, inconsistent, up and down. Way more athletic than Boyan Bogdanovich ever will be. But Boyan's a superior shooter to Buddy Heald, in my opinion. And and by the way, ain't like Buddy Heald's out there defending any better than Boyan did. That's Buddy true. Heald's not a good defensive player. The gem there is Ben Simmons and Cam Thomas. Because, mm -hmm. frankly, the draft picks are meaningless when you're talking about 23, 25, and 27. I, I, I mean, okay, that's great. But look at the teams you're getting that from, 
right? I mean, you're you're from Phoenix. Those are not great picks because Phoenix in this trade, by the way, is going to end up um, with Kevin Durant. And to me, if Phoenix ends up with Kevin Durant and Miles Turner from Indiana, that's a championship caliber team for the next three years. But why do the Jazz have a problem with that? Uh, because it kills their draft picks. If if you're taking Phoenix's draft picks, that's mm-hmm. not in the top half of the league. Mm-hmm. So why would you want that? This is a terrible trade. This is a terrible trade for the Utah Jazz. The only guys you're interested in in that deal, in my opinion, in my opinion, are Cam Thomas and potentially that 2023 first round pick, but they're going to the NBA Finals, so that's going to be a terrible pick. The only thing that does is give you more trade ammunition. That's mm-hmm. the only thing that does. And by the way, if you got to go out and make more trades because you just made a trade, should you make that trade in the first place? I don't think you should. I think that is a terrible trade. So that's just my opinion. Yeah. Why do you like the trade? I like the trade if you want to be a rebuilding team. If you want to go and chase the number one overall pick, I think it's a perfectly fine trade. Cam Thomas is going to be a good player in this league. Joe Harris is a proven contributor that's had some injury history over the last year or so. That's that Joe Harris was was a commodity for the Brooklyn Nets uh, two seasons ago. I mean, Joe, we know what Joe Harris is. He can shoot the hell out of the basketball and can make some plays for you. So Joe Harris, I have no problem with Joe Harris on my team. The mm-hmm. interest, the in, the interesting part is Ben Simmons. I don't know if Ben Simmons would want to play be a Utah Jazz man. I'd have to know that before I execute this trade. But forget that part of it. Forget the, what Ben Simmons wants. Would you want Ben Simmons? Say he's all in. Is he going to play? I don't know. The Nets traded for him thinking he was going to play. He was physically ready to play, and then he, he had an anxiety issue mm-hmm. and could not play. So your season went into the tank. So you're going to trade that guy for Donovan Mitchell. There, and, and I guess this is, is where the rubber meets the road. What is Ben Simmons' trade value? I don't know. We don't know what his trade value is. The point is, is that your 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 expectations of this trade are in a Donovan Mitchell situation are to get some star player back, which is never going to happen. Have to. It's never going to happen. That's not how Donovan Mitchell trades work. Again, I disagree. 100%. National, the teams know. Listen, other teams on the other end of the phone know that Utah has nothing to leverage them with. Nothing. Well, they do now. I don't think that. What do they have? I they mean, they have, have a picks. ton of draft capital. They have picks, sure. They have picks, but is is is? Let's say they did a deal with Miami. The Utah Jazz have no way to go to Miami and say, "Hey, if you want Donovan Mitchell, you're going to have to give up Jimmy Butler." Miami doesn't have. But to you're do not that. trading. Like, you're like, not trading Donovan Mitchell for Jimmy Butler. You're tra- you. If you're going to trade Donovan Mitchell, and I guess this is the disagreement, and this is when you look at trades nationally and you look at trade rumors nationally. This is the issue. Mm-hmm. You don't trade Donovan Mitchell for an older star player. That doesn't make any sense. You don't trade Donovan Mitchell for a guy on the same level. I trade Donovan Mitchell to for to a team that's going to give me draft picks and a star player. In this case, the Brooklyn Nets are making the argument that Ben Simmons is a star player, and he's not. Is Donovan Mitchell a star player? Yes, absolutely he is. He is a, in my opinion, and again, I agree, I totally overvalue Donovan Mitchell more than most. Um, you know, one of the NBA guys I talked to yesterday told me I was crazy when I said that I think Donovan Mitchell is a top 20 player in this league. I do. And I, I, you know, honestly, I think I could make the argument, I could push him into the top 15 pretty easily. Donovan Mitchell. I think I could do that. 
<laughs> but when you look at what people think of him nationally, they're only looking at what happened last year. Mm -hmm. And this team was a farging mess last year. I agree with that. So last year really doesn't mean anything. And the other issue here is, what are you truly getting if you're the Brooklyn Nets in this trade? And again, this is this is an NBA writer, uh, Christian Winfield, making this this making this trade up. It's in it's a it's a hyperbole. It's there's no traction to it. Hey, it's yeah. not even a rumor. It's just this is the trade I would make. The Nets get Donovan Mitchell, Boyan Bogdanovich, Mikhail Bridges, and Cameron Johnson. Mm -hmm. They're getting a haul for Kevin Durant. A haul. That how is this at all balanced? If you're Indiana, here's the other here's the other part. The Pacers get DeAndre Ayton and Mike Conley. Mm -hmm. They don't get any draft but picks. That's nothing. what I'm saying. Do you see what's happening in these trades? This is where we need to be on the same page. This is a this is not a trade where the Utah Jazz are trying to get equal value back. That's not what this this particular scenario is. We're not having a conversation about hey the Jazz need to get equal value back for Don, Mike, and and Bogey. The conversation in this particular scenario, to me, based on what this scenario is, is hey, the Jazz are trying to tear it down and rebuild and and you know basically start over in this particular scenario. I don't actually think they're doing that in the real world, by the way. I just want to clarify that. But in this scenario, that's what this is. So when I look at these trades, I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, this is some horrible trade because it's it, from from where you would be operating from if you're the Utah Jazz and you were to do this. I just that's the value you're going to get back. Like I, you're not going to get some star player. Like, and I know I agree with what you said that hey, Brooklyn overvalues Ben Simmons. I agree. You know, Ben had Ben is unproven, but he he has upside at least. You know, but the issue is is that this is a deal that's built to to allow the Jazz to tear down and start over. That's uh, what it is. All right, let's get some of your comments in here. And I, I guess the question is real quick: Do you think that? That's a you think that's a significant return for Donovan Mitchell? No, I don't think. No, that's not what I said. I don't think it's a significant return. I think it's the return you're going to get when teams know you're tearing it down. Because again, who are again? Remember, who are they losing in that trade? Don, Mike Conley, and, and Boyan Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich. So you're tearing your team down. You're moving on from what your team Man, was. I ju I just think that it that is a that is a horrible trade. Uh, that is a horrible trade. All right, let's see uh, what you guys have to say. Um, I know we have a ton of comments this morning. I really appreciate all of you being here. Steve Hambone, first one in. Rec One, good to see you. Mike Phillips, good to see you. Neville93, my guy, good to meet you the other day. BB um, says, uh, when, why when I hear about the Jazz going after Duran, are we giving up Donovan, but no other team is giving up their best player? Well, they, but okay. But again, see, this is this, I don't understand why this is so difficult to understand. You, you, the the Jazz are not going to get another team's best player back when they're trying to tear it down. That's why the Jazz would make this deal. This isn't a deal the Jazz would make if they're trying to contend. This isn't a retool this deal. Is this not, is a burning yeah, to the ground hey, deal. Hey, we're burning it down. We're having a fire sale. Take all our people. Give us all your picks. That's why it's a good deal. I just don't see them. I don't see them tanking. No, I don't, I, I, I that's that, what I'm saying. I don't think they're doing this deal. Yeah. I think they're retooling. They're going to build around Donovan Mitchell, and they have a ton of young talent. By the way, 
finally, is it lost on anybody that finally nationally people are saying that Jared Vanderbilt is the dark horse of this trade? We said that on day one when this trade happened. Well, Justin Fulmer said that the same thing. He said, morning, fellas, after watching all the highlights I could could possibly find on Jared Vanderbilt, I am very excited to have him on the team. When healthy, he's all over the place. Yes. His motor and IQ are great. Yeah, yes. totally agree. Yes. Totally agree. Tanner Plummer says, LOL, I don't get it, BB. Uh, there are a lot more famous people on this show. What do you mean? What's B going on? Uh, BB says, Tanner is like the most famous guy on the show. Could hey, be. Guys. Greg, uh, Greg Hawkins says, sup, y'all. Greg Hawkins sent me a story in the middle of the night because Greg's in the Philippines, for those of you who yeah. don't know. And somebody asked me yesterday on DM if Greg's legitimately a movie star. Yes, Greg yes, Hawkins is. is legitimately a TV and movie star in the Philippines. Google him. Like, Yeah, you should. He's a remarkably talented actor. He's not very good looking, frankly. But then when you put anybody next to me, like you're not... Like, His standards don't matter. Yeah, look at this guy. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Idiot. But, I, you know, Greg's actually a very good looking human. That's probably awkward now. Anyway, the point is, in the middle of the night... <laughs> hey, baby. In the middle of the night, uh, Greg Hawkins sent me a story about a subway worker recalling an order. Uh, I'll have a foot-long white bread uh, with extra provolone, extra Swiss, and an entire large bottle of ranch dressing. That's all I want on my Subway sandwich. Thank you. Um, That's disgusting. Although I did say to him, that woman's my soulmate, because I do love... Some ranch, ranch dressing. Uh, good morning, uh, Chacone, my guy, or Chiron, 26. How we doing, brother? Doing well. Thank you. Um, James Jensen says, retire the number 27. Stop it. I'm tired of hearing this conversation. I agree that Rudy Gobert is one of the best players in Utah Jazz history. I agree. I wouldn't retire his number. No. Sorry, man. You didn't win anything. You didn't do anything that was, that was like, you know, game-changing for the Utah Jazz. You have some stats to lean on. You have some impact on the floor. But but Carl Malone did more than you, man. Like, they're, they're, like I, I just I can't get to the point where I'm like, yes, we need to retire his jersey and put him in the rafters. I can't, I can't do that. Yep, I agree. Blind Swordsman DS says, if Danny doesn't believe in Mitchell, I don't believe in Danny. Sorry, not sorry. I have a, I, a by the way, for the record, yeah. and I want to clarify this. Nobody at the Jazz has ever told me they are trading Donovan. Not one time in the in the years that I have been talking to people at the Jazz now. Yeah. Not one time, not a single time has anybody there ever told me that they don't believe in or that they are they are trading Donovan Mitchell. I have routinely heard that they get a ton of calls. The Knicks called them repeatedly at the trade deadline. The Heat have been very active. The Knicks have been very active. Atlanta has inquired. Yeah. Um, I mean, just about every team has inquired about Donovan Mitchell multiple times for many. Mm -hmm. And the Jazz have always said no. I don't know. I don't know where Brian Windhorst is getting his stuff from. And, and again, I think Brian Windhorst is a credible NBA insider at ESPN. Um, Brian talks to a ton of people. Mm -hmm. I don't know anybody in this organization. And, you know, again, I was talking to an agent over the weekend who said, you know, that they're not trading Don. They People have tried and they're not trading Donovan. So I don't know where Wendy's getting his information from, but Brian Windhorst on ESPN yesterday said that he's hearing around the league that Danny Ainge doesn't believe that he can build around Donovan Mitchell. And then just previously the day before the Jazz said, yeah, we can we see him as our point guard of the future. So I, I don't know. That's why I say, I like, don't know. again, and, and I'll speak for myself. You know, I, I don't have any affiliation. I, I don't, 
you know, I do respect Brian Windhorst's work, but I'm of the opinion that some of this stuff is conjecture because you don't say uh, a week ago or maybe 10 days ago that the Utah Jazz are trading Donovan Mitchell and Don wants to leave and, you know, basically that it's over. That's essentially what he was talking about, running out like, you know, conspiracy theories on ESPN, right? That That's what we had 10 days ago. Then we get, oh, actually, you know, Don wants to be here and Danny's not moving him and they're rebuilding. And then we get Danny doesn't think he can build the team around him. And that's why I say Bro, nationally, you- like the, the media just doesn't get it. Are you going to keep pounding on your mic? Yes, I am. Bro. Stop. Um, geez, Louise. Daniel Westover says uh, there is a feeling around the league uh, is code for we don't have definitive sources, but uh, want to speak this into existence. Yes. Guys like Fast. Brian. Well, guys like Brian Windhorst have a ton of sources. I mean, uh, uh, having worked at ESPN, I can tell you that there is a very high editorial bar. Guys like Adrian Wojnarowski don't just throw stuff against the wall. Guys like Wendy don't just throw stuff against the wall. Guys like, you know, Tim McMahon, Dave McMenamin. But do you at least agree you can't have it both ways as you far can. as reporting on the Utah And Jazz. Brian Windhorst has flipped back and forth multiple times over the last two weeks um, that they're trading Donovan Mitchell. They're not trading Donovan Mitchell. They're trading Donovan. Like he's gone back and forth, and now all of a sudden he rolled out they don't believe in Donovan Mitchell and they're going to trade him. Like, I un- I agree. But I'm telling you, I have been there. If you're going to say I have sources, you have to clear those sources through somebody else. There is an executive producer. Every guy has a producer. Every guy has a boss. And you're going to have to clear those sources through that boss. Whether you were, you look at what they went through with Adam Schefter, trust me when I tell you. Yeah. There is an editorial process in place at ESPN that does not allow guys like Brian Windhorst or Adrian Wojnarowski to simply tweet, I have sources. It, it, it just it doesn't work that way. Are there people out there that do that? Yes, there are. But trust me when I tell you that when you when you work at the level that guys like Brian Windhorst work at, when you have the success that guys like Brian Windhorst have had, do you understand the damage that is done to your reputation when you do things like that? And, you know, a guy on Twitter yesterday was like, well, why don't you call Don's agent? Why don't you call Rudy's agent? Why don't you talk to them? We have. We We do that on a regular basis. There is, and I wish people understood the effort that goes into building a database of sources, building relationships with guys at the Jazz, with guys at BYU, with agents, with players. But I cannot tell you how important relationships are in this world. They make the world go round. And guys like Brian Windhorst burning their relationships to make stories up is absolutely a non-starter at ESPN. And I just don't believe that Brian Windhorst does that. I, I I would be stunned if he did that. Because it's so... How do you make up a story about the Jazz and then go to a Jazz game? How do you do that? How do you ever call the Jazz again if you made up a story about they don't believe in Donovan Mitchell? Now, is there vagary much to Daniel Westover's comment here? There are, quote unquote, there is a feeling around the league? Yeah, that's absolutely a vague tweet. It is, but I'm telling you, when you talk to people around the NBA, which I do on a regular basis, sometimes you don't get a lot of detail and you ask for a lot of detail and it, and people are like, that's all I'm willing to say. Like I spoke to an agent over the weekend 
And he, and he he it was a and I'm not going to say what it is because I couldn't confirm it, so I haven't tweeted it. But talking about trading one guy for another guy, and he said to me, "I've heard that from fellow GMs. I've heard that from fellow agents and GMs that this trade is is close." And I'm like, "When you say close, what do you mean?" And he's like, "That's all I'm willing to say." Mm-hmm. What it, it, it's a difficult situation. It's not an easy job. I guess is is where I where I will where I will leave that. Uh, Axel Granzini says seventy five people listening. I remember when it was me and five other people. Axel, you've been here for a long time, yeah. and, and we we do appreciate that. And there's hundred and sixty one people listening. So Axel, we appreciate you very much, man. Um, let's see. Mike Maple says local media doesn't do enough to push back on ESPN garbage and make players question management. I agree. It was actually refreshing the other day yeah. to hear Andy Larson ask a pointed question at a press conference. I'm not trying to be cryptic. If this town needs more of that, this town needs, hey, do you, Danny Ainge, somebody needs to walk up to Danny Ainge in Las Vegas and say, do you believe that you can build this team around Donovan Mitchell? Mm-hmm. Somebody needs to walk up to Danny and ask him that. Yeah. And somebody needs to walk up to Danny Ainge and say, you know, how often are you talking about Donovan Mitchell in trades? Are people calling you regularly? Have you considered trading Donovan Mitchell? And let him say no comment. Yeah. Let him say, I'm not going to talk about that. You got to ask the question. You have to ask that question. By the way, just as a point, we have asked to talk to Danny Ainge. We have asked to talk to Ryan Smith. We have asked to talk to Justin Zanuck. They've all said no. Yeah. So we have asked and we have been declined. So it's not as though they're readily available, but I can tell you talking to agents of players on this team, talking to people inside the jazz organization, they're getting calls on Donovan Mitchell Almost on a daily basis. And I think that's the thing. They're always going to get calls. You know, I, I don't have any doubt that they're getting calls about Donovan Mitchell. I just sometimes I wonder, you know, nationally, it's no secret that there's a lot of negativity around the Utah Jazz. But sometimes I just wonder, like, like why why say something if it's not, uh, like, yeah. you know, ironclad? Why say, like, oh, well, you know, the feeling around the league is this? Or, like, I, I'm just not a big fan of... Of vagary. There's a reason we only tweet things when we have them, like for sure, for sure, hundred percent confirmed, verified by like multiple people, because that's that's the right thing to do. Now, ESPN's a TV product. I get it. Like that's part of it, but I don't know. I just didn't and haven't loved the the timeline and how things have sort of happened uh, with Brian and and nationally, generally speaking. Yeah. Totally agree. Spencer Morgan says, Monty, were your sources within the team telling you Rudy trade was coming? Obviously, we all knew it, including you guys, but were they saying it to you? Yeah, back, I vividly remember a conversation. I don't know, it must have been a year ago, a year and a half ago at the trade deadline, not this past one, but the one before, um, where somebody said, uh, one of the guys I talked to at the Jazz was telling me, I vividly remember him saying, a year from now, Rudy's going to be gone. A year from now, Rudy's going to be gone. And it was like momentum built. And what happened was, we were in LA a couple of six, eight months ago at one point. And one of the guys I talked to around the NBA said, hey, by the way, they're really close on a Rudy Gobert trade. They're talking to this past deadline. Hey, they're talking to people. Right. And... When I called the guy at the Jazz, he said, this is what I've been telling you for a year now. We're going to trade him. He is being talked about. And 
it's never been a question of will it happen it the moment Rudy signed that contract it was when are we going to wind up trading him because I got to be honest with you nobody at the Jazz outside of Dennis Lindsay was in favor of that deal Mm -hmm. Quinn Snyder didn't want that deal Justin Zanuck him and Hawd Justin Zanuck sat on the fence on the Rudy Gobert contract he did not rubber stamp that deal like oh yeah let's do this that Rudy Gobert contract was a gift wrap deal from Dennis Lindsay to Rudy Gobert. Me. And Ryan Smith at that point was really not in a position to say no. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Spence, for the better part of a year, we were being told that this is happening. They're going to trade him. And then when we got into to November, December, we were trying to, for the month of December, pretty much for the most part, the first two weeks leading up to Christmas... We were trying to confirm double source. Hey, they're they're coming apart in the locker room. Hey, there is because we had heard early on in training camp, I believe it was, and correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. but we yeah. had heard early on in training camp that Rudy Gobert was much more vocal last year. Yeah. Like he was really vocal last well, year. Well, and the dynamic you have to remember is that is that Rudy has a ton of relationships nationally or internationally with Team France, you know, with people like Evan Fournier, and and he's got obviously he he's got a ton of NBA connections, but specifically the guys on Team France were telling him, hey, like you got to be more vocal. This is your team. You're the best player on the team. Like you got to be more of a leader. Like think like it was kind of building in that way. And so you know, with that timeline you were just describing, like we had kind of heard that in December that that the rumblings of Rudy feeling like, hey, like I'm not just like. A defensive guy. I'm. I, I don't like being the scapegoat, and and I want to be more of a presence offensively. I want more opportunities on the block. I want more opportunities. I want the ball. Yeah. I want the ball. Yeah. Rudy Gobert's mantra the first half of last year is I want the ball. Um. But that's when things started going bad. And again, I know that people hate, but Spencer's asking me about it. I know that people hate when I say, "Oh, I told you." But we started hearing, and then we heard in December, middle of December, when we had gotten news that Danny was going to take that job. We had that story about 10 days, but nobody at the Jazz would confirm that for us, that Danny was going to officially be the guy there. But as soon as we heard that, they went to Donovan, as I was told, and said, hey, we're going to build this team around you. We're going to do everything that we can do to put you in a position to win multiple championships, and we are going to trade Rudy. And... It never stopped after that point. So, yeah, absolutely. We were being told by Jazz sources that they were trading Rudy Gobert. And one note on that, that's why the confidence level of them not trading Rudy, or I'm sorry, not trading Donovan is so high because it just, it doesn't make sense that with the way things have, have, have sort of like worked out, it's not just right now at this trade deadline we're saying, oh, it doesn't make sense. Yes. All the information we have going all the way back to then, bringing in Danny, like it all adds up to, hey, we need to build this team around Donovan Mitchell. That's our best opportunity, and that's what we're going to do. And and that's why I say, like, when we're talking about this hypothetical tear-it-down trade or, like, when you hear things nationally, you have to understand that, that you know, unless you cover this team really closely and you have covered it for the last probably 15 months, 18 months or so, like the last year and a half, yeah. you don't understand the, the dynamic at play here. And that's why we're confident they're not trading Donovan. Yeah, I just have – and again, I will just say that – 
I've never heard from the people I talk to at the Jazz that they're trading, they're willing to trade Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. And I think what Tony Jones has reported is the same thing that I've heard repeatedly. It would take a miracle offer. It would have to be every draft pick that we're allowed to trade by rule, every, like, it would, I mean, the hall would have to be over the top incredible. Right. To trade Donovan Mitchell. It would, and when we talk about would a star player have to come back in return? Yes, a star play. Like, they're not going to tank. They're they're just not going to tank. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how much more equivocal I can be about that, that, that my jazz folks have been unwavering that they will that they will not tank. Spencer Morgan also says, my point is I'm not sure it's safe to assume that if the Jazz were open to trading Donovan, your source would be telling you that. Oh, I, I think that, that that I think, how do I put this? I believe in the the guys I talked to at the Jazz have, have, I mean, they told us Will Hardy was the guy like quickly, quickly. That's why we had it on June 6th, definitively. I mean, like they told us right away, like, if you go back to the day that Quinn Snyder resigned, I talked to a jazz guy an hour or so before that press conference or before that news came out. And he straight up said, we already are talking to Will Hardy. And he said to me, Danny's second guy is likely going to be Charles Lee. And I asked him about Johnny Bryant. And the answer was, well, he'll get an interview. But Will Will Hardy's probably the guy. Yeah. All and he said something like, "All things being equal, Will Hardy's going to get the job." Yeah. So they, my jazz guys, have not led me astray at all. And again, and I, and I don't know where the comment is. Somebody asked that. Somebody was asking about you know like how did you build that bridge? I didn't build that bridge. This is a common misconception. It's not like we reached out to the Jazz and we're like, hey, bro, you want to have coffee and be our source? They called us. Hey, guys. The the people we talked to, two different people at the Jazz called us. Not one, two called us. So it's not like it's not like we were just, you know, out willy-nilly dropping hundies all over the place buying information. Yeah. You know, like it... it it just doesn't work that way. Uh, let's see. GS400 says, Trader Dan doesn't lose trades. Relax. That's what I said. Yeah. Danny Ainge isn't known for losing trades. And, and that's trades. why I say it's so unbelievable to me, again, nationally, that that the, the Danny Ainge track record and what he's done isn't being more heavily weighed in what the reports are. Like, you have to understand, this isn't Danny's first time around the block. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like it's so obvious, but no one talks about it. And again, I just think... People report that, hey, the Jazz are open to it or Donovan wants to leave or whatever. Whatever version it is that Donovan's leaving, whatever it is, it seems to change every day. But they report that stuff because they don't understand the timeline and what's being done here and and the vision for it. Yeah, I think that nationally there is a big misconception about the Jazz. Yeah. I I think think the idea – I mean – the knee-jerk reaction after the Gobert trade was they're trading they're trading Donovan, they're tearing it down. They're burning it to the ground. But that's because you don't you haven't you don't know how the Jazz operate. With all due respect to the the national guys, you know, the the Jake Fishers, the Brian Windhorse of the world. Yeah. I just feel like unless you're here on a daily basis 
understanding how this organization used to run. Like one of the things that people keep doing, and I think it's a huge mistake. You cannot continue to say, well, the Jazz have always operated that way. Well, what does that mean? Gail Miller doesn't run this team anymore. Yeah. She doesn't. They don't sell cars anymore. They win basketball games. That's their their stated goal. Yes. Like, uh, so you can't keep saying, well, this is who the Jazz have always been. Well, actually, it's not. The Jazz, when's the last time the Jazz took a Rudy Gobert caliber player and traded him? Usually, and, and the other thing I hear is, well, Don's leaving eventually. They all do. Did Rudy Gobert walk away from the Jazz? He didn't. He didn't want to be traded necessarily. He was emotional after that trade. Yeah. Rudy Gobert was traded because the Jazz needed to move his money. And I think his his comments in his introductory press conference with the Timberwolves, you know, as much said that, that. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I think he was spot on. I think the Utah Jazz no longer had a window to win games. Yeah. I, I think it's that simple. And by the way, um I see I saw a bunch of people asking about um, you know, the 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 Kevin Durant trade. Mm-hmm. I think the Kevin Durant trade is a huge is a huge wedge in the wheel of the NBA. I think it is I think it's one of those things where you're holding up Indiana, Phoenix. I think you're holding up the Jazz to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. I think you're holding up the Lakers. Yeah. I think you're you the are heat. you are likely holding up the Miami Heat. I think there is almost no doubt in anybody's mind um that you are holding up the New York Knicks who'd like to make another move. I mean, all of the cogs in these wheels are are currently bent. The spokes are all bent. Yeah, I keep going with wheel analogies. Right. That that I think around the NBA, everybody's waiting on the Brooklyn Nets because there is a disagreement around the NBA as well uh, about whether or not the 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 Nets want to trade Kyrie Irving first, and whether or not they want to trade Kevin Durant first. And the common conception around the league or perception around the league is that they want to trade Kyrie Irving first because it gives them a little more leverage to go back to Kevin Durant. And that is assuming that Kevin Durant would even be open a little bit to staying in Brooklyn. I think they're grasping at straws there. I think if you trade Kyrie um, to the LA Lakers, which seem to be the only home for him because it feels like Miami's not interested in Kyrie. By the way, another story that people ask me about all the time. Yeah, we had the Kyrie to the Lakers story first, and I'm thrilled about that, and I don't mind sticking my tail feather up about it. But he wants to go to LA or Miami, and Miami doesn't have room, and I don't think wants to deal with a high-maintenance player like Kyrie Irving. I think the Brooklyn Nets need to trade Kyrie to the Lakers. They need to get extra draft capital. They need to buy out Russell Westbrook and then go back to Kevin Durant and say, hey, all right, James Harden's gone, Kyrie's gone, X, Y, Z. Let's see what we can put together with you on the roster. Are you in or are you out? No, I'm still out. Okay, we're going to trade you to Phoenix. Yeah. I think that's what needs to happen. But I think for certain, I think Indiana would like to acquire DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. I think the Utah Jazz would like to acquire DeAndre Ayton. Well, and it very much feels like a thing where, you know, once once one domino falls, we're going to get like 10 trades in one day. And by the way, I'd be really surprised if the Jazz acquired Miles Turner. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have been asking me about the Jazz appetite on Miles Turner. I don't think one exists. I don't think the Jazz have an appetite to trade for Miles Turner. I think that that he is the Sabonis deal would be great. I think Sabonis is a really good player 
and I think he fits right into what the Jazz do offensively. I don't think Miles Turner does. And this goes back to what sources were telling me that the Jazz would be open to bringing Hassan Whiteside back because I think Hassan makes a very nice number two off the bench. Yeah. If you can play him, if you can get more games from him, I think he only played 60-something games last year. You'd like your backup center to play 75-plus. But they, if they can have Hassan Whitesell on, uh, on another you know, one to two million dollar deal. If they can split an exemption to get him and another player on their bench, I think they do that because I do think they're going to acquire a big. Yeah. What that big is and what that big looks like, I don't know. But my feeling is is that the 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 Brooklyn Nets have got to make a move because time is running short. Yes. And by the way, by the way, I think this is also another important point. There is no timeline to trade Kevin Durant. I think they have until training camp opens. You can't bring KD and Kyrie to training camp as the, the the locker room currently sits. I think you have too much tumult there. I think it would cut the knees out on Joe Sy, the owner of that team. And I think that they, they would like to make that deal as soon as possible. But they're not just going to give Kevin Durant away for the sake of trading him because he has to be traded. Right. That's not going to happen. Um, but it's been explained to me multiple times. They're also not just going to trade him to to Toronto, was the example we used. They're not going to trade him to Sacramento. They're not going to do that. They have a lot of respect for Kevin Durant, and the mm-hmm. relationship is still good between the ownership, the management, and Kevin Durant. Yeah, he did a lot for him. Yeah, I, they're going to trade him to Phoenix if it's if it's a deal that they can make and they can be satisfied. Kevin Durant's going to be a Phoenix Sun. It's a matter of where they end up and what happens in return. Because I don't believe, and again, I've talked about this to a thousand NBA guys. I don't believe Ben Simmons has trade value. Yeah. I think Ben Simmons is damaged goods until he proves otherwise. Had he played in the postseason this past season, I think they could trade Ben Simmons. But he didn't play. And the back injury is less of a concern than is is his issue with mental health. Because you can't quantify or measure somebody's battle with mental health. It is a very personal, individual situation. Mm -hmm. And it requires you to have a lot of patience. And it requires you to give that player a lot of room. A team like the Utah Jazz doesn't have a lot of time for patience. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you can't take that risk. And the other thing with the Jazz and Ben Simmons, his back injury is not something that you can just overlook. They cannot afford to bring in another player that misses 20, 30 games a year. Mm-hmm. It's it, it absolutely wrecked the Mike Conley relationship, his inability to be healthy in critical situations. Ben Simmons can't, you can't take that risk on Ben either. So I think that's a, a major part of the conversation. Jeremy Bolton, good morning to you, my friend. He says, I'm so desperate for other sports right now. I might even have to listen to an RSL podcast. Well, hang on. We're going to talk Big 12, <laughs> Pac-12 in a minute. Um, let's see. James, uh, Knight says Hassan Whiteside is a hack, right? But he fills an incredible role, which is a shot blocker and a rebounder off the bench. And he's very good. Rudy Sanchez says, is John Collins still an option for the jazz? I think John Collins is one of the guys that could potentially be in a Kevin Durant trade because I think Atlanta would very much like to trade John Collins. But again, they had a deal done. I mean, the interesting thing is I think the jazz had a deal done in Phoenix I think the Jazz had a deal done with Atlanta. And I think Atlanta was before Rudy. I think the the Jazz had a deal done with the Bulls mm-hmm. before Rudy. The Rudy Gobert changed their trajectory, and then the Kevin Durant situation happened. And everything's just kind of come to a halt. I think the Utah Jazz would love to add John Collins. 
I don't know that that's possible at this point. Yeah. I, I, I just don't know. That's what I mean. That's why it's so tough right now because it's just there's so much happening behind the scenes that, that, that you know, the media is not privy to because, again, like we said last week, Summer League, while, yeah, sure, there might be basketball games going on, you might as well call them league meetings or executive meetings because that's what's happening. All these guys are there talking, you know, conniving, if you will, putting deals together, figuring it out. Like, that's what Summer yeah. League is. And that's why I say, like, my instinct on this tells me that, that there's going to be a day sooner rather than later where we get, like, fireworks. Like, KD's deal goes down. <laughs> then we get, like, five other deals that go I down. I think a lot know? of like, people thought that was yesterday. And then the, the Nets didn't move. A lot of people thought that they had a three-team deal done um, with with the, the Nets, the Suns, and the, and the Pacers, and that trade didn't come to fruition. Yeah. My guess is because the Pacers don't have enough to offer. So that's why I think everybody believes it's going to be a four-team trade, but we'll see. Yeah. And Garcy, good morning to you, friend. He says, are we moving Conley? I would guess so. I would think that, yeah, you would probably trade Mike Conley. Would, would be my guess. Um, let's see, James, or excuse me, Jesus Christ destroys Marxism. Well, I appreciate the consistency in the name over two days. Yes. Uh, JCDM says, I don't believe that for one minute, especially after what Windhorst and Marx have said that they have not been impressed with what Phoenix has to offer unless it includes Devin Booker. Well, they can't include Devin Booker, so Brooklyn is well aware that, it, that Devin Booker, A, cannot be traded for the next calendar year, B, that Ben Simmons and Devin Booker can't be on the same roster yeah. Um, be, unless they're traded for each other, but then you wouldn't be on the same roster anyway because of the rookie exemption rule. So I think, it, I think you need four teams to make this deal happen in order to get Brooklyn enough value, yeah. which again, I say, is why you can't probably make a, 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 a monstrosity trade with the Jazz. That just... That doesn't make a lot of sense at all. Teddy Wayman, good morning to you, sir. Conley is probably going to be traded to Dallas. I would guess Dallas or the Lakers, it'd be Mike Conley's next spot. I could see a scenario where he ends up. There's a couple other teams that I think where he could he could potentially be a fit. Um, I know Washington really likes Mike Conley, but at what, at what level do the Jazz value Mike? Um, I think if Cantavius Caldwell-Pope was still on that team, Cantavius Caldwell-Pope, but he's a Denver Nugget now. So yeah. I think that ship has sailed. Um, but I also think there's some momentum in the Eastern Conference for Mike. I think Boston would really like to add another point guard. Um, I think the the New York Knicks would like to add another point guard. I mean, there's places where Mike Conley fits. But yeah, Teddy, I think Dallas would love to add Mike Conley. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've lost Jalen Brunson. You have to do something to backfill there. And Mike Conley's not a volume player. He's a guy that'll uh, that'll be fine as a distributor. And he's a guy that very much fits into the offense there. Because remember, it's not easy to play around Luka Doncic. I think he's a guy that hogs the ball a lot and shoots from like the upper deck and right. won't pass when he's triple teamed. There's not a lot of players who enjoy that. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's just, there's just not, uh, Lorenzo Miranda. I don't think there, I, I don't think Ben's that risky. We forget how young he is and he hasn't even touched his prime years, but, but again, how do you quantify somebody's battle with mental health? Yeah. That's the hard part. There's and, no doubt he's a risk. And I don't, I, I don't, I don't say that about mental health as a stigma or to put him in a, in a, in a, a bad light. Um, I think he is a guy that frankly, when you're talking about paying a guy 
20, 30, 40 million dollars a year, you got to understand where he is mentally. Mm -hmm. And he was ready to play physically for Brooklyn and then had an anxiety issue. Um, and I know that's HIPAA, Dak, but we don't play drops on the show anymore. Well, we've had a very serious conversation today. You know, think that's HIPAA. Yeah, it is HIPAA, Dak. But my point is, I don't think that you can just assume that. Mm -hmm. So I, I think there's a lot there. A couple more because I do want to get to football real quick. James Knight says, You just described Jordan Clarkson. Well, Luca and Jordan play a very similar, you know, philo philosophical offensive game. Philosophically speaking. You know, philosophically speaking, it's, you know, not a non-star. What, what is? Okay, there you go. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, JCDM says, but who would Dallas send to Utah? Maybe Bullock. I think you're hoping for a draft pick there. I think you're not getting, you're not getting value from Mike Conley. Yeah. You're not getting Reggie Bullock from Dallas from Mike Conley. You're not. You know, and Garcy says, just hit the like. Thank you very much. If you're here right now, 186 people watching the show, please give us a thumbs up. It really does help the channel grow. Um, it is Jerry Tuttle also says, come on, guys, hit the like button. Yeah, seriously, um, 185 people and we have 31 likes. Please, let's get that number up. That really does help the channel grow. By the way, again, I would remind you that we are um, we're going to make your day on January or excuse me, January, Chill out. October 7th and 8th. We are going to make your day. Yeah! And I know Gabe Ledley, I'm not sure he's here. Gabe figured it out yesterday pretty quick. We have a huge promotion coming. Yeah. A huge promotion yeah. on this show yeah. is coming. We told you big things were popping on this show. October 7th Much and like GMs and executives at Summer League, things are happening behind the scenes on this show that will yes. roll out very soon. Yes. So we appreciate that. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. You will have to be subscribed to make January or why do I keep saying January? <coughs> I got to stop smoking crack. <coughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I don't smoke crack. I probably should. It would probably help me. Um, but October 7th and 8th is going to be a very good day on this show. So make yeah. sure you uh, pay attention for that. Let's switch gears. Talk a little football because... Boy, you love this, this oh, Phil I Knight do. story. I do. Roll it out. What do you love about the Phil so Knight rumors? So there's this whole thing going on with Phil Knight where, you know, obviously USC and UCLA leave and, you know, there's a lot of realignment happening. And there's a story that came out that, that Phil Knight, obviously of Oregon uh, and Nike, um, is desperate, that he's essentially being referred to as a cold call salesman in his efforts to find a new home. And what I think is so fascinating about this is whether you're Phil Knight at Oregon or whether you're in the ACC and you need $500 million and you can't leave until 2036, like you're essentially in conference prison at this point. You don't want to be like for Phil Knight in Oregon. You don't want to be in the Pac-12 anymore because all the brands left, uh, but you can't, you don't have a home. And by the way, if you were to find a home, let's say the Big 12, or whatever conference you would wind up in, yep. they know that you're desperate. They know you're over a barrel. So Wait, are you talking about the Jazz? or are you? Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know. Okay, sorry. Go ahead, Jake. <laughs> um, they know you're over a barrel. So the point is, is that I just think it's fascinating as teams like USC and UCLA have, have moved, have made their choice, have left, and obviously, you know, BYU with the Big 12 situation, like as all these teams move, the teams that haven't moved are getting more and more desperate by the day. And that's what I think is fascinating because, as usual, it pays to be ahead of the curve, not behind the curve. And I think this is just another 
prime example of that. I mean, this is Oregon we're talking about. Like, this isn't, this isn't, with all due respect, Arizona. I mean, this is Oregon. This is a premier brand in the Pac-12 who's desperate, who wants to leave but can't. It's crazy. Here's the question I have. If you are Oregon, Washington, Utah, who, who by some accounts is the hottest property in the Pac-12 right now, if you are the bigger names, is it viable to stay in the Pac-12? Is there a situation that you can see where, where Pac-12 members should fight to keep this conference alive? Because I just don't see it. I don't understand how you believe that you can make an alliance with the ACC. Not join the ACC, make an alliance with the ACC. That's already crowned Clemson. Mm-hmm. You, you, that, you, we know who that conference is. You're not going to the SEC and you're not going to the Big Ten. So my question is very simple. If you are the Pac-12, why have you not done a deal with the Big 12 yet? Because it makes perfect sense. And if you're the Big 12, I would agree that you don't probably want every team in the Pac-12. You don't. Uh-uh. I think you are desperate to get Oregon, Washington, and Utah. And whatever the way you can to round that mix out, you absolutely do that. But if you're the Big 12 and you can add an Oregon, a Washington, if you can simply just add a Utah and a Colorado, how are you saying no to that? And if you are a Pac-12 member right now, and I don't care if you're one of the lower programs like a Cal, if you're a Washington State, with all due respect to our <laughs> our very close friends in Pullman. Right. But if you're one of the lower ranked brands in that conference, how are you hoping to stay there? And then if you're Phil Knight and you're at Nike and you're an Oregon guy with the worst uniforms in, in college football, how are you still in the Pac-12? Yeah. And what does it say about Oregon's brand that they're still in the Pac-12? That Oregon, who called by all accounts the Big Ten with Washington, begging with their handout yes. to get into the Big Ten, and they weren't exactly willing, able, and ready to say yes. What does it say about Oregon's brand that they're still in the Pac-12? And what does it say about Phil Knight's bargaining power that Oregon is still in the Pac-12? I don't think it speaks well of that conference. I don't think it speaks well of Oregon's brand. This is a code 10 abort. And frankly, if I am the Big 12, why have I not made that deal yet? Because if you are the Big 12 and you can get North, South, East, and West, if you're in Florida, if you're in West Virginia, if you're in Oregon, it, it it makes great sense to do that. It puts your footprint across the country. Mm-hmm. It allows you to leverage TV time slots across time zones. It makes perfect sense if you're the Big 12 to add as much of the Pacific Northwest as you can. And if that means Washington State and Oregon State, if that means Oregon and Washington, I would absolutely do it. Mm-hmm. If I'm the Big 12, I think it makes perfect well, sense. Well, and I think also, you know, not just geographically speaking, but like from a brand standpoint, if you were to add all these teams, you're competing with the SEC at that point. Like, I don't care what anybody says. I understand the SEC is super powerful. It's Nick Saban. It's it's LSU. Like, it's all the premier brands. I get it. But at the same time, if you have this just juggernaut of a conference in the Big 12 that's got coverage across the entire uh, country, 
just the amount of time you're on TV is is dominant. Like, think of it. Like, you know, you've got BYU versus Oregon. You've got, you know, Utah versus, the, like, all these great brands. And the problem just is... the money yeah, alone. You know, and the problem is, is that the teams in the ACC are in a really bad place. It's not easy to leave the ACC. No, it's expensive. Like, it, there are there is no defined number about what it would take to leave. That said, the speculation and the educated opinions say it would take nearly $500 million to break that agreement. And the other problem is if you don't have the money, you're not leaving until 2036 right now. That's yeah. a problem. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot at play. The schools that have media negotiation in 2024 are going to thrive. Yeah. And by the way, if if we are talking specifically about the University of Utah, you got to get to the Big 12. I think this is your lone saving grace is the Big 12. You're not likely to end up in the Big 10. To revive the Holy War with BYU. Yes. To be in the Big 12. To bring a rival school like Colorado with you matters. I think it makes complete sense. If you're the Big 12 and you can add Oregon and, and Utah, are you saying no to that? No, I don't think you are, but I think what's fascinating is the 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 deal that you put together to add them. And this is this is originally yes like last night when we were looking for, you know, what we were going to talk about today, why this, you know, kind of really got my attention because anytime in business, whether we're talking football, the Jazz, whatever, anytime in business you have this dynamic at play where one side of the phone really wants something to happen and the other side of the phone also wants it to happen but doesn't need it to happen. You have this negotiation at play. And I think that's what's so fascinating about schools like Oregon and Utah getting to the Big 12. Totally agree. Hey, Samuel Johnston, appreciate you, my man. He sends us a $30 tip. Bro, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate he says, that, I feel man. Donovan Mitchell's situation is similar to Lamar Jackson's situation with the Ravens, with the national media saying how unhappy they are with their respective teams. Also, love the show, guys. Thumbs up. Thank you Thanks, so much. Man. Appreciate it. Um, if you want to tip us, it's in the comments section below. Just click that dollar sign and you can send any amount of money you want. Uh, Samuel Johnston, thank you so much for the $30 tip. That really makes a uh, a big difference. Let's get some of your comments on uh, on BYU and uh, Utah. How important is it to keep that rivalry together? Oh, I think it's it's crucial. I, I, yeah, I, think, I agree. You know, obviously, locally, we all want it, whether you're a Utah fan or a BYU yes. fan. Obviously, we all want it, but I think... You know, from a uh, like if you look at it from the Big 12's perspective, you got to have that. I mean, it's just such an obvious thing to drive. Hey, it's the Holy War. It's a Big 12 rivalry. It's like our. It's what what does Fox say? It's it's the Big 12 matchup of the week or whatever yeah. they say. Like I can just but I can just picture it in my head. It's amazing. This is why I go back to what I'm saying about what I'm saying about BYU and and frankly Steve Peterson's comment about ESPN. I think all of this football talk is really up to ESPN. They're the ones pulling the strings. Well, you know, Steve, the thing that really stands out to me about that is I think that comment validates what BYU did 10 years ago. Thanks. When you went independent and everybody laughed at you about, oh, you're independent. <laughs> We're going to be over here with all those research Just that little team down south, we'll, man. Uh, we'll be in the Pac-12 researching all kinds of cool stuff. You guys go ahead and be irrelevant. <laughs> you got a massive contract now, both monetarily and in meaning with ESPN. Yeah. And you are now in a position where you're not just that team down south. This Little is, brother. This is Pac-12. Oh, wait, scratch the two, put a zero. This is Pac-10 country. 
Like you have all the leverage now. Yeah. And I think when you look at that ESPN deal, it it is the entirety of your leverage because it made you relevant. Yeah. It put your games on their platforms every single week. It allowed you to recruit. It allowed you to schedule. It allowed you to remain relevant and then compete for a national championship. Now, having said that, Utah wins the Pac-12. They go to the Rose Bowl. It's a thrilling game. Utah's never had more leverage than they have right now. Yep. And that's why I say, if you're Utah, go to the Big 12 as soon as you can. Don't hesitate. Don't think twice about it. Hit the easy button. Get your ass to the Big 12 because that's the only way to save your financial house. Pack your thing up. We're out of here. Seriously, I'm telling you, with USC and UCLA gone, you, the, the Pac-12 has no road to survival, in my opinion. You have no leverage to get a new TV deal. Phil Knight can't move Oregon, which tells you incredible. how damaged the brand is. Yeah, it really it's is incredible. It's literally incredible. He, Phil Knight is one of the most powerful men in this country, financially, and he doesn't have the leverage to get Oregon into the like, SEC or the not, Big Ten. Let's not forget where Oregon has been. I mean, this is a team that has had, like, the Marcus Mariota age at, at Oregon, like, you know, um, I mean, just uh, just amazing years in that school. And I'm not even an Oregon fan. Yeah. I just respect the program, and yes. I think you have to. And I think that that's why I say, like, your point about the, like, from a geographical perspective about how dominant this could be, I just think it's not that nobody wants it to happen. It's what, you know, to the commenter's point, what ESPN has to say about it, what the Big 12 wants on paper. Like, that's where we are with it, I feel like. And, and the problem is, again, what started this whole thing? Phil Knight is desperate to leave the Pac-12, as he freaking should be. That's and, a businessman. And when you're desperate, bad things typically happen to get what you want. I, I'm just telling you now, if you are Utah, your brand is powerful. You you have national respect. You just competed at the very top of the sport with Ohio State in the Rose Bowl without your starting quarterback. You're competing at the end of the game. Yeah. It was a thriller. There was a huge audience. Get out now what because uh, and to wrap this conversation up think about it this way what's the best case scenario for the 10 teams left in the pac-12 i don't know either. i don't think anyone has an answer to that it's not a hundred million dollar a year payday like you're getting in the big 10 you know what i think the realistic outcome is irrelevancy nobody cares about you no one's going to talk about you and you're already there you're 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 like you are teetering over the cliff of irrelevancy now in the pac-12 yeah USC and UCLA are gone. You're irrelevant. Nobody's watching. And and really, it's USC. UCLA hasn't been a, a viable football program yeah. in yeah. years, right? Yeah. That's a basketball school. Los Angeles is a USC town. Fight on, right? It is a USC town. And I'm telling you now, USC stirs the drink in that town. And where they go, the football fans in that town go. Fast. And every conference should want USC, but how many conferences want Berkeley? How many conferences want Stanford? They don't. How many Stanford because of its its academic lineage and its heritage and its 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 prowess academically. They want Stanford on a, on an athletic level. They don't want Stanford. The scandals, the sex scandals at Stanford. They don't want Stanford. How many how many conferences want Utah? I'm telling you, I think there's a home for Utah. But their smartest, highest, best value, I think, is the Big 12. Yeah. And if you do that this offseason, I think you're incredibly smart. And I think 
I think Harlan and Witt and the the mind trust at Utah are very good at what they well, do. Well, and I'm curious, you know, one one last thing, then we got to move on. But if we remember this past season, there were a lot of rumblings about, you know, Witt retiring and, and, you know, moving on, especially with, you know, the tragedy in the program and just all the adversity that went through the program. It was a really tough year, but a hell of a year, really strong finish. Would have been really easy for Kyle Whittingham to say, you know what? Hell of a season, really nice way to cap off my career. I'm going to I'm gonna hang him up. But he didn't. And my point is, because he didn't, I wonder how long they've been, how just how far the foresight was that this was coming. I'm curious about that. I think it's interesting. I, I, I really do. I think it's one of those things where you can't really put a, a dollar value on it. And the other thing that I'll say real quick to wrap this up is, if you're a BYU fan, enjoy this. Enjoy this. You've earned it. Because BYU fans... For the longest time, for the last 10 years plus. Yeah. Granted, you haven't won enough football games to, to have leverage, if we're being completely honest. You're in a position now where you have better leverage than any Utah fan on the planet. Thanks. Because you have Kalani Sataki, you have a ton of momentum, you have a guy at quarterback that Jaron should really be able to lead this team. You have a great TV situation. You're going into the Big 12. Like, you have everything you want. Enjoy this. Yeah. Because this next two months before you start playing football games, that's this is going to be your best time. Because once Utah, once Utah joins the Big 12, oh, then you're really going to crank it up. You think you think it's once it happens? Like it's like oh, there definitely are. Bro, once I think it's I think Utah's going to the Big 12. Yeah. I, I I do. I, I just think it makes too much sense. Yeah. The other thing is, once Utah joins the Big 12, oh, hey, welcome welcome home. Welcome to our house. This is our conference. Like, you have that over Utah yeah. until you guys play again. Yeah, you the better The problem win. for BYU, and this is real, the problem for BYU and the question you got to ask yourself is, if they both join the conference today, who's more able to compete for the top of the conference in the Big 12, Utah or BYU? Oh, I think it's close. Oh, I think it's Utah. I think Utah is already... And not that that BYU has has a, a major lack of talent. The depth and the recruiting that we've seen at Utah over the last several years, their ability to grow that program athletically, it, you saw it in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, they didn't get pushed around by Ohio State. Nah, right? You you are, in my opinion, you are constantly measuring yourself depth wise and athletic ability. If you're BYU, you're measuring yourself against Utah. <laughs> Whether you play this year or next year or five years, you're measuring yourself against Utah. Yeah. And I think right now, Utah is stocked. That that early, the first six weeks, don't forget who BYU's got early on this schedule. That game mm -hmm. at Autzen against Oregon mm -hmm. in the middle of September, that's a huge tester. Yes. That game against Notre Dame in Las Vegas is a massive test mm -hmm. for this team because mm -hmm. I don't know if you noticed – but my R and we, the Fighting Irish in Notre Dame, they brought some boys in who can play. Another football. team that's in the fold, by the way. Another team that's in the fold about coming out of independence. I would never come out of independence. It's only been in 130 years. I would never do it if I if I am if I am Notre Dame. I'm not. I, I just wouldn't. Uh Hullabilly says, enjoy it, guys. Uh Jeremy Bolton says, uh Ian Furness is up in Washington, thinks if Larry Scott would have let BYU into the Pac twelve, the Pac twelve would be strong enough to survive all this. Yeah, There's but no it's doubt. candies and nuts, dude. It's candies and nuts, and this is the price you pay yes. for hiring Larry Scott as your as your commissioner and not having a TV deal. I mean, this is all those little things add up. And and again, 
it gets to this this boiling point where you can't stop it. It's over. Like teams have left because it's been so poor. Yep, I totally agree. Holabilly uh, um, says Samuel feeling generous. Nice. Yes, we appreciate all of your tips. Thank you. Um, let's see. Uh, Kanai Johnson says Utah Utes, Big Twelve. Let's go. Absolutely. Uh, TJ McVeigh says love the show, guys. Thanks, TJ. Thanks for being here, man. Uh, Kenny says Samuel, my man. Exactly right. Uh, Cam's videos. Wow. Is that a Cam video? Hey, baby. Wow. Uh, wow. Says Utes are poop. They're not. They're not, though. That's the thing. They're not. Uh, B. Davies says, morning, fellas. What's up, B? Brett Robbins, how are you? They really are. No, they're not. Kenny says, uh, as a completely impartial fan of the Holy War, I'd love to see BYU absolutely wipe the floor with Utah on an annual basis. <laughs> I'm telling you, BYU... BYU's close. I mean, BYU has so much momentum. If they put it together on the field this year, if they're a one-loss team, the sky's the limit. Yes. If they're a one-loss team, if they play in a massive bowl game, all it's going to do is bring more talent and more recruits and more, and more transfer portal yep. and more NIL. And more everything. Yeah. And that's what it takes to win nowadays. The, the, the remarkable thing about Utah is how just how much they've struggled NIL-wise. Right? So I think there is a big, big opportunity. BYU's got to win football games this year. This is, and I know you're in the Big 12 already, and I know you have all this momentum. This year, BYU has to win football games at a very high level. Yeah, what good is it if you're a 5-1 team? If you lose to Oregon and Notre Dame and you struggle and sputter and Jaron's unsuccessful or yeah, that would be a disaster. Yeah. You've got to go into the Big 12 with big momentum. And the hardest part for BYU, in my opinion right now, is that they're in this place where it's like, oh, well, we're going to the Big 12 next year. Okay, let's, you know, let's drink Kool-Aid and eat cookies and wait for the Big 12. Right. Yeah, Oregon ho is hoping you do that. Oregon's hoping you do that. Notre Dame's hoping you do that. Like, this is a huge year to win football games because you got a bunch of kids who are never going to play in the Big 12. Yeah. So many people forget that. BYU, yeah, you're going to the Big 12. Everything's great. Dax Milne has got, you know, his ex-girlfriend and you, you, Zach's got the mom and stuff. That's all cool. <laughs> But there's a bunch of kids on this roster who are never going to play in the Big 12. Yep. And you've got to win games. You have to win games. Uh, Cam Harrison. Oh, time for the Pac-12 stickers. No, it's Pac-12 country billboards. How amazing would that be? Well, BYU Booster has got to put up a Pac-10 country billboard. <laughs> you have to. You have to. You have to, right? Uh, let's see. Hullabilly says Utes for life. Brett Robbins says, I heard reports that Monty has Ute merch all over his bedroom. I'm not a I'm not well, a Well, is see, that is see here's the thing. Is that the feeling around the league or, or yeah. what are we saying? Are sources telling you that? Um I have the luxury of not being a BYU or a Utah fan. I'm a I don't have the luxury of being a Notre Dame fan. I'm sorry if you're offended by that. It's brutal. Uh, Jeremy says, give me BYU versus rivalry, uh, Utah rivalry all day. I'd love for BYU to play that game every year, even when the Utes end up in the Sun Belt. I'm sorry, was it? Wow. Did you he just, just make rolled a sun out belt? the Sun Belt. Are, are, uh, the Sun Belt. <coughs> the, the, sun, the Sun Belt. Utah, I'm sorry. Bro. Is that, a, is that a, a, a Sun Belt conference? Yeah, the Sun Belt. Well, 
I had to turn on. Yeah. It's a new piece of equipment I'm learning. Uh, he made a sunbelt. Mike Maples, good morning to you. Too much pride built up for Utah to beg into the Big 12. We're about to see everybody has a price. Well, ain't that the truth? It's true. Ain't that the truth? Uh, Big Dog O-Town says it's very imperative Utah goes to the Big 12. Them and BYU's rivalry will be the best rivalry in the conference. Can you imagine Shout that? For, can you imagine BYU and Utah playing for a Big 12 championship? Yeah, it'd be amazing. Oh, my That's God. What I'm saying. I can't even. I can't even. Uh, Hullabilly says, facts. We need out ASAP. Yeah. Uh, Steve Peterson facts. says, but neither has USC. USC what? Um, TJ McVeigh, Utah would miss a step moving to the Big 12. Wouldn't miss a step. I don't think they no. would. I don't think they would at all. Um, I already read that one. Steve Peterson, I hope Utah comes to the Big 12. Natural rivalries are what is being destroyed with these super conferences. I hate rivalries that are built in a boardroom. Me too. Yeah. Me too. That's why Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, the Apple Cup, like, you know, the Holy War. You got to have those. You got to have USC and Notre Dame every year. You got to have Florida, Florida State, Florida State, Miami. Like, you yeah. got to have those games. Well, and Utah SC was was also building as well before, you know, all this changed. Yep. Talking with Raphael Podcast, my guy, good morning. Are college student athletes allowed to earn money yet, or is that just California colleges? Exactly. Wow. You, you know, uh, they, they are allowed to earn money. Uh, Sir Rook says, will the ACC last? I don't think so. I think probably for the next five years. I think you're going to see this move happen before 2024 because of the TV negotiations. I think the ACC sticks and stays. I do. I don't think much changes there, and they're going to fall behind. They're they're going to fall behind. I That's just my opinion. A couple yeah. more, and then we got to get to Amazon Prime Day. Uh, Kay Nuren, good morning. Even if we lose, I still want to play Utah every year. The Big 12 is a big-time football. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, yes, Hullabilly. Uh, he says, LMAO, Jeremy out of pocket, man. Exactly right. Jeremy's out of pocket, yo. Yeah. He is. All right. I digress. Because today is one of my favorite days of the year. Mm -hmm. It's Amazon Prime Day, baby. I, and I, I think it's great. I think there are a lot of great deals on Amazon Prime. Check out the description below. Uh, if you're listening on podcasts, bless you, friends. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube right now, click the description, look below, right in the middle of the, the, the information section is a link to our best deals on Amazon Prime Day. Um, there's everything from AirPod Pros, the Apple I, uh, Apple Watch Series 7 yep. um, is there. Like There's security cameras for the inside and outside of your security. house. I mean, the, the kids Kindle. I know a lot of people who watch this show have kids. Um, there's a kids Kindle. I think it's $49. Pretty good deal. Yeah, all the deals that we have in the links below are just fantastic. Do you, how much do you rely on Amazon Prime? Oh man, I mean, every day, every day. I mean, it's it's just such a juggernaut. It's taken over. I mean, whether we're talking about, you know, energy drinks or camera equipment or whatever. I mean, it's it's absolutely taken over. I mean, it's the go-to. I mean, that's that's how much I rely on it. Well, yesterday it was funny. Mrs. Monty and I, who, by the way, uh, good morning. Well, got to tilt the... Whoa, whoa, hey, that's whoa, the wrong whoa. Got to tilt the camera down. Get whoa. in a little closer. Now, don't what be shy. Let's turn the camera a little there, this way. Okay, hey, Senator Dove. Hey. hey. What do you know? What do you say? We said in the car Hi. yesterday, Mrs. Monty and I, we said in the car yesterday, uh, yesterday was odd. Nobody, nobody came to the door. There were no package deliveries at our house yesterday. 
Weird, man. Totally weird. Isn't it when you don't get a package? Like, I, I, we usually, I mean, I have my package and stuff, you know. Um, I'm no Zach Wilson, um, but I got a package. Yeah. Got your package. Yeah. Hey. Oh. But why do we, why do we as a society like Amazon Prime so much? Because I think if you do not shop on Amazon, and really, let's just call it what it is. If you're not an Amazon Prime member, you're missing out on so much stuff. Like one of the things is Amazon Music, Unlimited Amazon Music is in Prime. You can get that free for four months. The link is below. Like, What would I do without you? Like Amazon Prime Video, Amazon Prime Music, Amazon Shopping, I Amazon Food, Amazon Your Mom. We get it. Amazon Wilson's Spaceships. Mom's, best, am, mom's friend. I'll stop with Zach Wilson. Well, but sir. why? What is it you think that that we we like so much about? Is our dog almost knocks Bro. over the camera? What is it do you think we like so much about Amazon? Hello, Jake, hello, Jake. Oh, I thought you were throwing it to her. Sorry. Mrs. Yeah. What, okay. what I like about I'm Amazon? It's a talk show. You guys got to talk here. I'm trying to do things. The dog is wandering through the cameras. Anyway, yeah. yes, Mrs. M. What do you like so much about Amazon? Well, I love Prime Day just because you can get so many different items for a great discount. Like something you may have been thinking about, but you were like not ready to pull the trigger. And then they make it affordable enough where you're like, okay, I do need that. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. I think I think that's it. I think obviously yeah. the pricing, the, the thing, let's be honest, the thing that we all like so much about Amazon, it's here today. Like they can put oh. most things like electronics yeah. are on your door the same day. I mean, Amazon Prime is a must. And I think one of the things you said last night when we were prepping for the show over text is, does anybody shop at Best Buy anymore? I got to be honest with you. I have, I think I have a $25,000 credit limit on a Best Buy credit card and I haven't used it in like forever. I there's, can't tell you how long it's been. There's not an advantage and you can get a credit card through Amazon too if you really were looking for that kind of a deal. Can you really? Yes. I didn't even know that. I didn't know that. Oh, what? I'm letting you Where know. Where have I'm they sorry. been? <coughs> Anyways, but yeah, you, you can do the same thing, but why would you... Uh, it's the easy button. Yes. That's what it is. It's the easy button. I know I need this thing. We do oatmeal, um, dried cherry, yeah. <laughs> like literally my shampoo. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, everything. And it can be here almost instantly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, I think like one of the things we see so much is, and we tried Instacart in Phoenix and hated it. Right. Um, they just made so many mistakes, but like yeah. Amazon Fresh is a really good service. Um, I look at ordering bars, like all my protein bars, like. All that stuff I get, you can get built bars. You can, I mean, anything you want, you can get that from Amazon. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, and I'm a big believer in buying local. We buy most of our, 99% of our groceries come from Harmon's. But I got to tell you, protein bars, I get a better deal on Amazon. Um, things like our BCAs, I get a better deal on Amazon. Right. Um, you just, I think the deal, the money, the time, the delivery, frankly, the return policy I don't have to be questioned about, well, do you have a receipt? Hey, man, oh, did you wear those? No, you just file the return and put it in a locker or send it back UPS. Yeah. And you get your money back. And I think that level of service is what's so good about Amazon Prime. 
Because I don't think you get that level of service just about anywhere. No, I mean, user experience is everything with Amazon. You know, I mean, you, again, whether it's the return thing or, you know, the fact that you can get a lot of stuff, like, as Mrs. Montu was saying, like, most of the time you can get your stuff, like, within hours. Like, same day, minimum, yeah. but, like, within hours. And I think that that's what changed the game. You don't have to leave your house to get it, obviously. But the fact that it's fast, like, if we didn't have to leave the house, but it took a yeah. week to get stuff, I think we'd probably still go to Best Buy. But because it's here the same day... We just have Why no would you? Yeah. yeah. We just have you know, no need. Like, yeah. Even when we, you know, we just bought a, a drone recently. Sorry, I am being a terrible person in texting and uh, getting on the show. But um, even when we draw, bought a drone recently. Right. Where did we, where did we want, where did you want to buy it? Amazon. Where did we end up buying it? Well, we end up buying it at Best, Best Buy. Buy. Yeah. The exact same price. Terrible service at Best Buy. Yeah. They had my, we ordered an extra battery or something like that. Oh no, the, the. We ordered uh, a card the and card, the card was at the West Jordan or the, the Jordan landing location. Yeah. We were up in Sandy and they're like, yeah, we don't have it here. It's at the, the Jordan landing location. This was going to happen. Tonto. I'm like, why am like, I going to go all the I, I came to you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just. Uh, why but, is it not on my doorstep? Yes. Yeah. It is, is the question. But it, but again, this is, it is Amazon prime day. And, and I think, what do you, when you think about Amazon, is there anything you wouldn't buy from Amazon? Because I got to tell you, I, there's nothing I wouldn't buy from Amazon. Yeah, I mean, I haven't. The only thing I haven't done a lot with Amazon is like food. Like you guys, I mean, I haven't done a ton of food through Amazon as far as like groceries. Right, and all but that, where but, you live, you have two of the primo grocery stores. Yeah, you have that, but but, you but have even that before that. Smiths. But but I'm talking about like even before that, like in the in the you know however long I've had my Prime membership now, years now. You know, I've never. It's never crossed my mind to order groceries from Amazon. Let's say so. I just think that. Is there anything I wouldn't order? No, probably not. The only time I wouldn't order something from Amazon is if I absolutely had to have it in my hands before I bought it because yeah. I needed to see it or something. But even then, again, the return policy it's makes that point doesn't matter. Easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it is. I think that's a, 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 you know? exactly right, Mrs. Monty. It's super easy. But that's yeah. why Prime Day is brilliant because they know, hey, you've been using it all year. And we, I'm sure they have data and analytics that say we have a certain amount of people who look but didn't buy. Great, we're gonna put that in front of you at a super discounted price, and you're gonna buy it. Yeah. Hey, how about Big Dog O Town with a five dollar tip? He says, "Love the savings I get from Prime, which allows me to send y'all a little something, something." Hollow. Thank you, sir. Hey, we appreciate that. Thank you very much for the tip. Big Dog O Town um, is one of our uh, favorite listeners. We appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, speaking of one of our our favorite listeners, Caleb says, "Mrs. Monty, you're gonna love your Gabe Vincent jersey." Why, is that a why are you rolling out Gabe Vincent references? Because that's a trade to the Miami Heat reference with Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> Am I wrong about that, Caleb? I think that's what that is. Because isn't Gabe Vincent yes. the Miami Heat? Yes, he is. I think he is. I think that's exactly what it is. Uh, Brett Robbins says, because the prices are the same or cheaper and comes to my house in two days, whatever I want. Yeah, yeah. Exactly that's right. the thing, that's the convenience. Exactly right. Neville93 says, I, I got Amazon... Prime because of you, Monty. You know how to convince people. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, well, you know what? There was a, and I hope you took advantage of it, Neville, or it was a couple of months ago now where they had like free 90 day membership. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like it, it, we will have affiliate links for stuff where they'll give us, because we're, we have Amazon affiliate, we use the affiliate program. They'll give us like a link every couple of months for like 50% off for the, a year yeah. of Amazon Prime. Like, I mean, they, they do that on a regular basis. And there's no better day than today to join Amazon Prime. It's Prime Day. They give you discounts, man. And it's it's well worth it. Kenny, good morning to you. Jeremy Bolton and Taryn are plumber BFFs for life. 
Okay. Oh, you okay. know what? Here we are connecting people all around the world. BFF. I, love that show. I do love that show. Thank you, Jake. <laughs> That's very true. Um, yeah, very. They're best. They're best buddies. They're besties. They're BFFs. Do we keep... just become best friends? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Uh, Tanner Plummer says Dax Milne quote Why is this door locked? Opens door quote Mom Zach No, that's disgusting. Tanner, are, Tanner, Tanner, you know better. Tanner, uh, Fat Jesus says Amazon is moving to the SEC. Oh man, is that Damn. right? Wow, Jeffy be Bezos, expensive. man. Jeffy, Uncle Jeffy. Yeah. Uh, Brett Robbins says our Best Buy lasted five years. Shake my head. Yeah, I don't know. You've got to be online. You, you have, have to got be. to be online. Well, but the experience has to be smooth and it has to be easy. Like that whole thing where you got to change the camera here, bro. Oh, I'm sorry. That whole thing where where you've got, hey, I bought a drone, but then the cards at this store and the controllers at that. So, like, like who the hell has time for that? I don't have time for that, bro. Like it should be aggregated at one store. I show up at a certain time and pick it up. That's what it is. Kenny says Utah could join the Big 12 today if they used Amazon Prime. They could. Absolutely. Spencer Morgan, if Monty was a Utes fan, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't have rolled up rolled up with a BYU video thumbnail the first show after Utah won the Pac-12. Me? What? What? Maroni? What? what? Schemers trying to control their little world. I don't Spencer? know what you're talking about, Spencer. That's not because it's nice. all part of the plan. Well, it's on YouTube. LOL. Tanner says, LOL. True that, Spencer. Thanks, Tanner. Appreciate the support. Uh, <laughs> Built Bars are undefeated. Okay, what's your favorite flavor of Built Bar? Well, I'm a peanut butter guy. You're a peanut so butter guy. obviously, peanut butter. Okay. I don't know if I have. I'm, I'm a cherry guy. I think cherry, cherry is my favorite flavor. Okay. I like cherry. Mrs. Monty got us a, a one of those tins of cherries from Costco. Uh-huh. And she pitted them. Uh-huh. And I, I'm a big believer in Oikos Triple Zero yogurt right. with fruit. Right. Those cherries we got from Costco, so did, I'm good. I'm sorry. Did you call it a tin? Like a, a, I, it's a, uh, it's like a clamshell. A, it's a clamshell. If you could call it a clamshell, that'd be great. A tin. Like you just sound <laughs> like you're ancient at that um. point. We picked up a tin of flour. And you know what the actual f are you doing right now? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, hey, look, fat ass. You also sound ancient. You're a fat old guy. Fat. <laughs> the tin reference. I picked up a tin of tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> I picked up a tin of biscuits. Oh my god. And a tin of butter. <laughs> She's on her game today, bro. You wait. She's they, on her game. There's gonna come a day in this house where she's gonna be like, honey. Um, can you pick up a tin of biscuits? <laughs> <laughs> you think you're funny. You think you're funny, don't you? Obviously not. You think you're funny. <laughs> what are the comments saying? What do we got in the comments? Mrs. Monty's not funny. That's a miss. Um, mi not funny. <laughs> not funny. Not Hollow Billy just puts in the laughing emoji. <laughs> no, it's 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 fine. All right. Finally, because what would this show be without talking food? Right. Wendy's is giving away French fries Fat. all week long for National French Friday, which is tomorrow. So when are we going? What do we <laughs> exactly? Fat. What do we think about Wendy's French fries? I think they're overrated. I'm not a huge. Oh fan. no! Not a really? huge fan, dude. Not a huge fan. Oh, I, I think man. Five Guys fries are better. I think certainly, as I always say on the show when we discuss food, Jack in the Box fries are better. 
Um, five, five Guys got to unlock. I have to say, every time we talk about this, I always find myself saying the burger's good, the fries are good. You know, that said, I won't waste, you know, Wendy's Dude, fries. there is but, nothing like a Dave's Double. That no. Dave's double. Now, I, I honestly, and I'm I am becoming conflicted morally about my burger choices. Uh-huh. Um, because I have to tell you that my burger choices and my love of burgers, when I'm fat, Mrs. Monty's right. Uh, but number two, I have spread the fat guy burger money around town recently. Uh-huh. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I might be all in on JCW's. I might be okay, all in on JCWs. Okay. Look, Brian Windhorse, you've wait. gone back and forth on this more than anybody. I, I have know. vacillated. Yeah, back come on. and forth. Okay, the but- JCWs double burger that I've been eating, I think it's called a classic or something like that. That thing is damn good. The problem is the bun's not over the top good. Right. The burger's good. Okay. The burger, but the thing that you get at Five Guys that you don't get anywhere else on the burger side. Mm-hmm. You just get that melting, gooey gob of cholesterol. Yeah, I know what time it is. And you just shove that down your freaking pipe, and it's just like, oh, my God. Yes! Okay. Anyway, anyway we're talking about the eating Wendy's burgers. Note. Here's, <laughs> here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. A, You're fat. A cold, smooth, frosty with a fry. Strawberry or chocolate? Frosty. Because now they have strawberry. strawberry I've never tried the strawberry. I'm just saying, a frosty with a fry dipped in it. I want you to just imagine the chocolate, cold, creamy with the salty fry. That God bless. is delicious. Can you talk in that tone a little more? Here's the deal. Oh, yeah. oh it's so salty. Um, anyway, yeah. um, my <laughs> bro. <laughs> <clears throat> We've my point is, rails. it's National French Fry Day tomorrow. Right. Uh, Wendy's has a free French fry deal every day this week. If you buy um, Zach Wilson's mom's best friend a Frosty, you get free medium fries. Right. It's something like that every day. I'm a five guys French fry guy too. I think they're great. The one weakness at JCW's, in my opinion, they're French fries. Their onion rings make up for it. Because the JCW onion rings, and Mrs. Monty is an onion ring aficionado, my dog is just trying to tip cameras over there. Dude, it's, yeah. Anyway, you're an onion ring aficionado. How would you rate them? Their onion rings are good. They're they're not the best in the world, but they are good. Yeah. I think I think at Wendy's you're getting a Dave's double and a frosty. You don't need the fries. Like if you go to where's another shake joint? Like the Big H. Hires Big H. Oh, oh. Hires Big H. You gotta have French dude, fries. Dude, club sandwich, fries, shake. They Done. have amazing onion rings too. Sorry, it's a patty melt. It's a Oh, patty oh, the melt. patty melt. Oh, See, the patty day. melt's good too, bro. Oh, the patty melt. The good patty too. melt at hires. Mm-mm, yeah, mm-mm. I'm telling you, Hires is vastly underrated. Might have to go to Hires this weekend, bro. Vastly I, underrated. I haven't been to Hires in a long time. It's been a long time. And you got to go to the one in Cottonwood. Yeah, the vibes yeah. in Cottonwood are real. I guess Midvale, real. Cottonwood, whatever that is. Yeah. yeah. Um, you Fort got, Union? Yeah, for, on Fort Union. You got to go to You got to go to that one, the yeah. drive-in. Get yeah. the car hop ser- service, tip them well. Really good. But if I'm going to Wendy's, I'm telling you, the Dave's double, because the tomato and the lettuce is, is well-placed. And one of the things that... This is a tasty burger. I'm telling you, one of the problems in fast food is the garden items. Like The garden it's items. It's tough to get good lettuce and tomato in a, in a burger. Yeah. It is not and easy. And we get real pickles or, or you know, the, oh, I the, love the thin pickles. sliced pickles. And this know? is a problem with Mrs. Monty. Mrs. Monty doesn't do pickles. She does not like pickles. 
at least not the ones that aren't human. And the problem is direction. I really like, I really like, don't look like that. I really like those <laughs> sweet, like, what do they call you, them? You like bread and butter pickles. Bread and butter pickles. <laughs> you know. I like regular pickles. I love, what are the, the pickle chip, the deep fried yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Pickle oh chips. Deep God. fried pickles are amazing. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Anyway, the point at Wendy's is get the Dave's double, get the Frosty, the French fries. Eh, take it or leave it. By the way, does anybody know when they're opening up Jack in the Box? It's does embarrassing any, does how Does anybody long it's know? Taking. Like, I, I have asked and asked, and the people at Jack don't answer. They, they don't. Kenny says, strawberry Frosty. What? It's new, but I haven't had one. I miss how fat America is, Kenny says. Jeremy Bolton says, Brian Windhorse meeting James Harden at every Wendy's in the Valley today. <laughs> wow, you are an a-hole. You're not wrong, but you know. Uh, Big Dog O-Town says, got to give the Dave's Double the best fast food burger. Fat? You haven't had yes, Jack in the Box, bro. Wait, you know. Uh, Neville 93 says, B&D's Big Barney Burger. It looks like a Big Mac on steroids. Haven't had it. Neville, I might have to try that. Uh, Fat Jesus says, I just added Mrs. Monty talking about fries and Frosties to my spank bank. <laughs> <laughs> frosty oh it's so <laughs> salty oh my god oh my god dude um we should stop hey guys we should stop riley o'brien good morning riley o'brien he says they don't know jack exactly jack in the box will open when they clear e coli protocols wow Jesus. wow <laughs> jeremy bolton got out of bed with energy today uh, Riley O'Brien says, hat tip, fellas. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Riley. Good to see you, my friend. Yeah. Final comment of the day. Giggity says, want me to walk across the street from my house to Jack and see if they know when it will open in Salt Lake City? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're going to do know. it. Yes. I love Jack in the Box. I oh. love Jack in the Box. I do. All right. I guess that's it. I, I guess show's over. Yeah. This is the Monty Show. Don't forget, coming up. Oh. I don't know what happened there. I don't Kevin. know what happened there either. Uh, coming up, we are going to make your day for October 7th and 8th. You know what I'm talking about. Huge promotion. Figure it out. Figure it out. Should be able to announce that in detail next week on the show. Huge promotion. Yes. Anything Huge. special happening on October 7th and 8th? I, not that I Not that I can. I I'll have to check the calendar, but not that I can think I of. You know. can't think of anything. Yeah. Uh, make sure you shop our affiliate links in the description of this YouTube show or on our audio podcast. Great day, Amazon Prime Day, day two tomorrow. More deals for you. Until tomorrow, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake. <laughs>